David Spell, and this is the podcast where we talk about practical leadership, team building, theology, and how to create winning habits. I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. And don't forget to stick around until the end of the episode for this week's book recommendation. Now today we're going to be talking about the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to be providing some tips for studying and reading Matthew's Gospel. If you've been following the broadcast, you know we've already uh, provided some tips for studying and reading Mark's Gospel and John's Gospel. Today we're going to be talking about Matthew, and in a future episode we'll be dealing with Luke. We'll um, also be dealing with uh, probably most of the rest of the New Testament as we go forward. Um, so today we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Matthew. And if you open your New Testament, you realize very quickly that Matthew's Gospel is the first book in the Christian Bible, or the New Testament as we call it. But even though it's listed first, it does not appear to have been written first. Uh, most internal evidence and most scholars would, would acknowledge that Mark's Gospel was written first and was a primary source for both Luke and for Matthew. In fact, Matthew seemed to incorporate almost all of Mark's gospel into his book. Now, some people would say, well, why would he do that if Matthew was one of the uh, original disciples of Jesus? Why would he have to incorporate Mark's gospel? But if Mark had written a good gospel and had had um, actually written down Peter's uh, reminisces and, and, and memories and sermons, which is what um, the early church fathers said the Gospel of Mark was based on. If, if the Gospel of Mark is a, an accurate first-person account from um, the Apostle Peter, then, then Matthew may have just uh, held to the old adage, why reinvent the wheel? So he, uh, he incorporated uh, most of Mark's Gospel, but he also added so much original material, so much fantastic teaching and other things that we're going to be talking about. So um, Matthew uh, gives us some great other material that, that's not included in the other three Gospels, in the Gospels of Mark, Luke, or John. Now each Gospel is written to a particular group of people. Um, we could even say that each gospel is probably representative of a particular church. We mentioned when we talked about Mark that um, it was written to the, the church in Rome. Uh, John's gospel is more of a universal gospel, but when it was written, it was written by the Apostle John while he was based in Ephesus, which was a, a Greek cultural center, um, and he was writing to the church there. Um, Matthew's Gospel appears to be written to Jewish Christians, possibly even the Jewish Christians living in Judea. And so this helps us to understand the kinds of things that Matthew presents in his Gospel. Um, he's writing to a particular group of Christians, and he's writing and giving them uh, information and things that's going to help them and be specifically related to them. Now, there's a variety of ways that we can approach the study of Matthew's Gospel. And one of the first has to do with what we were just talking about, the group that he was writing to. Matthew presents Jesus as the Jewish Messiah, possibly even the Jewish King. More than any other of the three Gospel writers, 
Matthew shows us how Jesus was the fulfillment of so many of the prophecies found in the Hebrew Scriptures. He's very clearly writing to a Jewish audience, and he goes to great pains to point out how Jewish Jesus really was. So this first study method for Matthew involves many Old Testament prophecies. As one reads through this gospel, it's a great practice to note when Matthew refers to Jesus as fulfilling an Old Testament prophecy. A great example of this is found in the very first chapter, chapter 1, verses 20 to 23. But after he had considered this, and the he here is is Joseph, the, the earthly father of Jesus, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place, Matthew continues, to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And the, the prophecy that Matthew then quotes is from Isaiah. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God's God with us. <clears throat> Excuse me. So here, Matthew sees Jesus' birth as a fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah. And marking these passages in the gospel and then reading them in the, their context in the Hebrew scriptures will provide the reader with a much deeper and a much richer understanding of what Matthew was trying to say. It was very important to Matthew that his readers understood that Jesus was God's plan all along and that this had been predicted, his coming had been predicted hundreds of years earlier. So so as you're reading through Matthew's gospel, just make a note in the uh, margin of your Bible or if you're doing it electronically, you can do it on your notepad. But just make a, make a note of each time Matthew refers to an Old Testament prophecy and then go back and read the, the context. Go back and read the whole chapter that that prophecy comes out of and it'll help us to, to see um, the importance of these prophecies. Now a second way that we can read Matthew's gospel or, or really study it more in-depthly is by focusing on the teaching narratives that Matthew gives. As we said Matthew incorporates almost all of Mark's gospel. But if you've read Mark's gospel, you know that there's not nearly as much teaching in Mark's gospel as there is in Matthew or Luke or even in John. So Matthew adds so much of Jesus' teaching that he probably picked up as, as being an eyewitness, as being there when many of these teachings were done. So, so focusing on these teaching narratives is a great way to, to see what Matthew considered very important. Matthew actually gives us five specific um, teaching discourses. Now, there's other smaller teaching discourses, but there's five large ones that he presents. The first one is, we've all heard of the Sermon on the Mount. That's Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And of course, the Sermon on the Mount is, is a phenomenal message of Jesus teaching um, really the ethics and the, um, uh, what he considered to be the, the behavior of the kingdom of God, the essence of what the kingdom of God was all about. That's what the Sermon on the Mount's about. And then in chapter 10, 
Matthew gives us a chapter um, where he gives instructions to his 12 disciples as he gets ready to send them out on a mission. In chapter 13, Matthew presents this incredible um, collection of parables about the kingdom of God. In chapters 18 through chapters 20, verse 16, Matthew teaches on life in the kingdom of God. And then in chapters 24 and 25, Matthew presents Jesus' teaching about the end times, his eschatological outlook. Uh, These two chapters are much more um, uh, focusing on the end times. Now, each of these blocks of teaching are worth spending time studying. The Sermon on the Mount, as we said, has been described as one of the greatest messages ever preached. Uh, These three chapters contain the essence of what the Christian life, what life in the kingdom of God is all about. Uh, We mentioned in chapter 13 the, the parables about the kingdom of God. These are fascinating snapshots. Each parable provides us with a snapshot of what Jesus taught about God's kingdom. And each one is a little bit different. Each one has a little bit of a different emphasis. But what's interesting, really interesting about each of these parables is they start off, each one of them is prefaced by the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like. For example, in in chapter 13 of Matthew, verses 31 and 32, it says that he told another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. And though it's the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air will come and perch in its branches. So this mustard seed, this, the, the growth of the mustard seed here, is a picture. The kingdom of heaven is like this, Jesus said. And he seems to be saying that though the visible kingdom might appear small now, and imagine, you know, Jesus is just maybe teaching to a... Um, maybe a, a few hundred people at the most um, at this time, um, you know, very small, no organization. And he, may be, he seems to be saying that even though the kingdom might appear small now, it's going to grow into something large and influential. So each one of these parables in chapter 13 provides us with a different facet of God's kingdom. And then, of course, um, life in the kingdom and then teaching about the end times. Chapters 24 and 25 are very, very interesting in Matthew because usually when we think of the end times, we think of, of Revelation. We think of the Apocalypse. <clears throat> Excuse me. And of course, you know, that's a fascinating book to read. But Jesus had so much to say about the end times in Matthew 24 and 25. And actually, some of the things that he says there might actually surprise you. Of course, it all fits together with Revelation. It all fits together with what Paul had to say about the end times. But I think it's so important that we start, when we, if we're going to study the end times, let's start and see what Jesus had to say first. So these two study methods, um, focusing on the uh, Old Testament prophecies, and then also focusing on um, these uh, discourses, the five discourses that Matthew provides, these are just two study methods that we can use to approach this gospel. There's others. But these are two great ways to read um, this wonderful gospel. So I encourage you to take these two, apply them to your own Bible study and your own Bible reading time and see how they enrich you. Well, now it's your turn. 
Can you think of any other ways to approach studying Matthew's gospel? What do you think are some things that we should we could, should focus on when we look at this great gospel? I'd love to hear from you. Go to davidspell.com. Leave your comment or your question in the comments section for today's post. While you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter. I publish three blog posts a week, and by subscribing, you'll ensure that you don't miss a single issue. Also, by subscribing, you'll get my subscribers-only newsletter that I send out once a month. And here I provide some additional teachings, some extra updates on what Annie and I are doing in Brazil, put some pictures in there. It's, it's a great, great little newsletter, and I encourage you to subscribe so you can get it. Now it's time for this week's book recommendation. Now, usually what I've been doing with our book recommendations and what I'm going to continue to do is I'm pulling from the 2,000 books or so that I've read over the last 35 years or so, and I'm I'm giving you some of the, the, the best, some of the classics, some of the books that have had the most impact and the most influence over me and on me in in these last 35 or 40 years. But what I want to do over the next couple of episodes is I want to help you get ready for Christmas. Listen, Christmas is only about a little over a month away. I mean, I'm recording this on November 12th. So Christmas is just, what, five weeks away. It's coming soon. Maybe six weeks. I don't count very well. But... Listen, if you haven't started doing your shopping, now's the time. <clears throat> Listen, we're, we're living in Brazil, and we're going home for Christmas. I've already started shopping online. I'm having some things shipped to my family, and so I'm already taking care of doing some shopping online. Why don't you do the same thing? Let me give you two book recommendations. The first one, Peter and Paul and Acts. You know, we just got through talking about Matthew's Gospel, but you know, the book of Acts is another fascinating and exciting book in the New Testament. And Peter and Paul in Acts was the first book that I wrote, and it's a, it's a study guide for the book of Acts. I encourage you, if you've got anybody, any loved ones, any friends that love to study the Bible, that love theology, this is a great gift for them. You can go to Amazon, type in Peter and Paul in Acts, and David Spell, and it should pop right up. Check it out. You can read the first several pages, maybe even the first chapter on, on Amazon's website. Check it out. I know you're going to love it. And then number two, you get a bonus um, extra book recommendation, and it's my second book, Miracles in Mark. Miracles in Mark um, focuses on all the miracles and all the supernatural experiences in that exciting gospel. As we said earlier when we were talking about Matthew, Mark doesn't present a lot of teaching. Mark's gospel is a gospel of action. And so Mark's gospel has more miracles, has more healings, has more supernatural events than in all the other gospels. So what I did in Miracles in Mark is I went through and we examined each and every one of them. So it's a great, great aid to your Bible study. Um, I know many people that use it for their individual study, and even in groups, it's a great little tool to use for a, for a Bible study guide for your connect group or small group. So check them out. Both of these are available on Amazon. I know you're going to love them. 
Check them out. Let's get ready for Christmas. Now, as we close today, can I ask you for just a small favor? Would you take just a moment and go to iTunes and give Leading and Learning a review? Good reviews are so important for podcasts like mine because they help me get higher in the ratings so we can get our content out to a larger audience of awesome people just like you. Thank you so much for that. So until next time, this is David Spell encouraging you to pursue your passions.